It's episode 145 of the Leading Ladies of Corpus Christi, and I'm sitting in a Zoom meeting because it's 2021 and we're still social distancing, but I'm so (laughs) excited for the guest that I'm having on today. She's the founder of the Traveling Library of CCTX. I'm talking about Abigail Trevino. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. In addition to being the founder of the Traveling Library, you also have Simply Abigail Photography, which is a photography business that you started as well. And we're going to get into that. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're just incredible. And so I was telling Abigail before um, we actually started the interview that I was kind of having a day. I think I watched way too many 9-11 documentaries this weekend, like way too many and just um, was all in my feels and everything. And I wasn't feeling super great. And then as I was doing like my little write up of like details about you that I wanted to talk about, I was getting more and more excited about this interview because you are cool as hell. I mean, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Anybody who starts a nonprofit, I am in awe of because I've toyed with the idea of starting a nonprofit and was immediately daunted by everything that it required because it's a lot of work, not just anybody. Anybody can start a nonprofit, but you better be ready to put in a lot of time and effort. And so please tell me, how did the idea of the traveling library come into play? And and when did you decide, okay, I'm going to fully move forward and making this a legitimate nonprofit? So um, I didn't always know that I wanted the like the traveling library. I've always wanted a nonprofit. Um, Originally, I had wanted to do, um, do you know those big shipping containers? Yeah, the the empty ones. I had originally wanted to get a few of those. And just get a big piece of land and make like apartments out of them for the homeless. I wanted them to have like their own self-sustaining community. Then I started like researching it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is too much money. (laughs) I wanted something that I could do now that I could carry on for the rest of my life so that it could grow. And then um, I've always loved books. So I, I want, I've always wanted to do something with books. It didn't matter if it was a librarian, whatever. I just wanted to do something with books. And then um, the past year and during COVID, when it, the epitome of the uh, pandemic, I started working at a school as a teacher. And it was there that I realized, you know, not every kid had the same access to books that I did. Not everybody had a mom and a dad who knew English, who knew how to read, who could help me with my liter- my English or whatever that I had. So that's when I decided, you know what, maybe my nonprofit should be something with books. And it, it was everything I wanted, a nonprofit and books. So it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, it definitely worked out. And so I think saying you love books is an understatement because if I ever wished I were recording my podcast, now would be that time because her background is literally a bookshelf filled with oh tons of books. Goodness. Yeah, it's floor to ceiling shelf. <laughs> no, that that makes me so happy because I'm an avid re- reader, not as much as I used to be now that I'm a mom, which sounds like an excuse, which it kind of is, but there's truth to it. It's like impossible to sit down and, and do anything. Uh, so it, it excites me whenever people are just as excited about uh, reading as I am. And so you're very right in the sense that maybe not everybody realizes the magic that is reading and, you know, for whatever reason, maybe kids weren't brought up with books. So how was your childhood when it came to literature? Was it something that was easy to come by or something you had to seek out? It was very easy to come by. Um, My mom was a pre-K teacher or she still is. <laughs> so I, I always remember books and reading from a very young age. I mean, I may not have been able to read it, but I remember a book in my hand. And so if we didn't have a book at home, we would go to her classroom and pick one. So I just, I was always around books somehow, either her classroom, the library, whatever. So that's how I remembered it. And I just thought every kid had the same access like I did. They would get a book somehow. <laughs> But yeah, I've been surrounded. And I think that's really great that you were thinking about how you can incorporate your love for books into a way that serves the community. So for people who are just now hearing about the traveling library, what does it entail? What is the traveling library? So the traveling library is um, essentially it's a mobile library. We're hope we have a trailer. We're hoping to fix up pretty soon, and then uh, we're going to go around to different communities in Corpus Christi and the coastal bend. And just you get a book, you take the book, you read it, and then you return it 
when you text us or me email us and we'll come and bring you a new book just essentially like a library <laughs> but mobile that because not everybody has the access like i said either transportation money wise um could be language barrier so we're just trying to make it more accessible here in coastal bend <laughs> i love that so much um and i know so you just kicked off the traveling library in march right in april in april okay so <laughs> april it's first. been five months a little over five months yes. is that right yes oh I my mean, gosh five let me do a math. I'm the worst. I'm like, we're in the ninth month and April's the fourth month. That's five months, right? No, I think so. I think you're right. Oh my God. So has it felt like a whirlwind? Was it something that took off pretty immediately? Or have you, uh, you know, have you felt that it's taken a little bit of time to get some traction? Um, Both. <laughs> um, The whole process, I didn't start the applications process is one thing. And then actually when you get the nonprofit status, it's another. Um, I was very nervous applying for my nonprofit status or even starting it period. I had worked in other nonprofits as a volunteer. So I kind of felt a little confident. Uh, I did. There's like in a nonprofit sector, there's like multiple <laughs> uh, uh, chains of it. Mm -hmm. So I worked at like Texas State Aquarium, which is a nonprofit, but it's kind of more like a business nonprofit. Right. And I worked for um, the Special Hearts and the Arts. And it was my teacher, my theater teacher had started it. So I kind of felt a little bit confident than the average person, but I was still nervous. So I, I took an online course, just beginner 101 nonprofit. And then I... Nice. I, yeah. <laughs> it was... Um, Cornell, Cornell does these, uh, especially with the pandemic, they started these online courses, certificate things. So I just happened to stumble by and I was like, perfect, sign me up. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't even know something like that existed. And silly me, I should have realized that there are resources to help. Uh, so is it essentially like walks you through the application process or how does that work? So um, the Cornell one, it was just, and uh, it was broad. It was just nonprofit. But then I took one um, at Del Mar that kind of explained the application process in Texas because every state's different. Mm -hmm. And so that's the one here that actually really helped because um, as we were learning, I was kind of doing it on the side. So it, it was kind of the timeline went really well together. So that kind of helped. But it really did. It went in detail. It's like from the very beginning, what kind of nonprofit do you want to start? their need for it in your community um what was your mission statement kind of things like that and then later on it takes you to the actual process of making it legal and everything <laughs> yeah which is so important um and it sounds to me like you were the right person for the job and our community definitely needed it uh I mean, who doesn't love books? You know what I mean? And who doesn't love to see a kid walking around with a book? But there's not necessarily like an age limit, right? This is for anybody who wants a book. It's for anybody. We're trying to focus more on uh, school age children. Mm -hmm. So all the way from pre-K to high school. Mm -hmm. um, but we're hoping in the far future that we can extend to the homeless and the elderly populations. Um, I just think that books, everybody should have access to them. But right now we want to focus on school age kids, especially with the pandemic, the reading scores oh and gosh. reading levels down a lot. So <laughs> really, see, I don't think I knew that, but I mean, but you it's said you, you're a teacher's aide. Is that what you said? Yes, I was right okay. now. I'm off. <laughs> okay. Oh, good for you. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, you, you saw, and that's, I didn't even make that connection, but it makes sense that now that kids are, you know, maybe partially going to school or for that little while, weren't actually going mm -hmm. to school physically that reading might suffer. That's very mm -hmm. interesting. And it makes more sense why something like the traveling library is needed. Yes. Uh, so something you mentioned a second ago was the nonprofit's mission statement. And I found it on y'all's website. And there's a there was a blurb that I thought was really cool. And it said, the traveling library provides knowledge to those in need by providing literature and other resources as needed. And I really, really love that. So how did you, did you come up with the mission statement? Was it like a collaborative effort with someone? How did it come to be? Um, I came up with the mission statement. Uh, you kind of need to do it. Well, it's suggested that you kind of get a broad idea before you actually apply. 
but then I, I, when I formed my first pro, uh, board member, board team, I don't even know what you call it. <laughs> um, I let them know, like, hey, this is a mission I picked um, based on the info that I told you what I want the traveling library to be. Do you think we should change it? Do you disagree or agree? So they were able to change it, but they pretty much, we just changed maybe like two words. Yeah. <laughs> but they, 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 the mission statement, they felt like worked for what I wanted. <laughs> well, I think that's fantastic that even though you founded it, you still want input from people who are helping you, you know, with the mm -hmm. nonprofit. That to me is crucial to keep it going and to get fresh input. So well done to you. <laughs> Uh, so also you guys have like a mascot Chiquita yes. and tell me how she came to be. Cause I love it so much. Like to me, she is the face of the traveling library and just makes her that much more welcoming. So how did she come to be? So our president, uh, Cassidy Reynolds, she's the one that designed it and came up with the idea of Ch uh, Chiquita. I didn't even think about having a mascot for the traveling library, but she's like, Hey, one day she texts me. She goes, Hey, I couldn't sleep. I have an idea. I wanted to see what you think. And then she just sends me all these images of Chiquita. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. She, it, it was perfect. Uh, she picked a laughing bull because we're in Corpus. She wanted a Corpus animal. Yes. Um, so it was perfect. I loved it. We wanted a kind of Hispanic name because we're trying to target those areas. And mm -hmm. Corpus Christi has such a rich Hispanic culture here. Yes. So it kind of works. <laughs> it totally so, works. Yeah. What a brilliant idea yeah. from your president. And I'm so glad that you saw it. I mean, obviously, you know, you trust the people that are involved in your nonprofit. And it sounds to me like you made some good choices because what y'all are creating is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, so I know that you guys just recently had a book drive in collaboration with the people's market. So tell me all about that. And can we be expecting more in the future? Because I'm sad I missed it. And I definitely want to be at the next one. <laughs> so Sam, um, the El Loco collective, the one that kind of the host of the people's market, I reached out to her. Um, I have, we had known each other previously through the photography, <laughs> but um, I had recently told her, hey, I started a nonprofit. Do you know of anybody that might help me put in a donation drive of some sort? I go, we're just kind of, we're still beginning. We just need something to get our name out. She goes, actually, we have a people's market and we look for nonprofits every month. Would you be interested? I'm like, uh, yes. So it was kind of just by chance. Like I happened to text her and she just happened to be available. So it was really good. Her and Monica, uh, the owner of 2020 vintage, she's just, they're amazing. Yes. I can't believe they do that every month. That's, <laughs> I feel like that's more work. <laughs> yeah. They, it really is a match made in heaven and anybody who's wanting to benefit Corpus, I mean, can't, can't go wrong. Like that's, that's the focus, you know, in addition to helping like local vendors sell their wares and everything, you know, like, uh, that kind of stuff just warms my heart. Are you from Corpus? I am. I'm born and raised from Corpus. All right. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. So then you've seen, you know, how incredible it's been lately with locals such as yourself, not necessarily just locals, but, um, people coming through with their businesses or their nonprofits, restaurants, what, whatever, and just setting up shop here and really trying to, you know, make Corpus the amazing place yeah. we know it is. Yes, it's amazing. I feel like it really picked up the last two years or so. So it's great to see. <laughs> yes. Uh, so growing up, were you one of those people that wished to get out of Corpus? Or was it one of those things like you, like, no, I love Corpus. Like, yeah, it needs some work, but. I don't think I ever wanted to move. I still don't. <laughs> um, I wouldn't know where to go. <laughs> uh, I would, I would like live for a month somewhere else but i don't think i would call it my home i think i would always have a permanent residence in corpus so i i like it here it's perfect that's how i feel about it uh yeah growing up i always felt just i guess like you said just it, it felt like home even though i knew you know i mean it didn't have as much to offer necessarily as you know other cities at the time although i feel like we're catching up um, yeah. <laughs> like I said, with, with people like you doing the kind of things that you're doing, like who wouldn't want to be a part of, you know, the community that we have here. Although I kind of like that it's 
we're low, like under the radar because once everybody figures it out, like I, I don't necessarily want them to come here either, unless it's to visit and like spend money. That's fine. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Can I, y'all I, wait the pandemic's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so that's my next question, right? Because the pandemic was a time where you heard of many people kind of slowing down and reassessing things. Did you at all feel like nervous about starting up the traveling library during a pandemic? I did um, for multiple reasons. One, money. <laughs> I mean, it's an unfortunate evil. Money go, makes the world go round, right? But um, I was nervous about that. And then I was also nervous, like, putting my volunteers, my board members at risk for the COVID. I didn't want them to feel like they had to put themselves on the online. Then I felt even worse when I was like, we won't be able to reach the kids because there was a lot of schools that didn't even allow visitors, which mm-hmm. I mean, rightfully so they're protecting their student body. But it, it was just like I, that whole month that we, that's supposed to be like, go, go, go. It kept feeling like push back, push back. So I definitely was really nervous in the first month or two, but then, you know, the summer hit July hit. And then it was like, kind of went up and then now we're coming down ever since we got the what is it we're red target or red zone whatever oh <laughs> so yes 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 slowing back down <laughs> <laughs> oh i know it's it's just been a roller coaster literally <laughs> oh. but i admire people such as yourself that you know don't i understand why the pandemic can be a reason why people have to stop doing things or putting things off i absolutely understand but when people like yourself are like, you know what? No, this is needed. Now's the time. I'm going to I'm going to do this despite what's happening in the world. That's amazing. Like, have you always had that <laughs> kind that kind of resolve? Like, even though things might not be looking the most beneficial externally, you're just going to do what you feel like you need to do. I think so. Um, I may not project that on the outside, but I think in the inside, I'm always like, it'll be fine. It'll work out. But uh, definitely there's things that I'm like, um, <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> but yeah. No, truly. Uh, but what do they always say? You know, um, with great risk comes great reward, you know, and and uh, you should do something that scares you a little bit every day. I just sound like a total uh, quote cliche right now. But uh, there, there's truth to that, though, you know, because I mean, it is. here I am. And what I've noticed with my guests is that you will be doing something, right? Like you started a nonprofit. And I'm like, I wanted to start a nonprofit, but I didn't because I was too scared to whatever. And it's like, you said, screw the fear and did it. And <laughs> I mean, I hope you give yourself props for that because that's huge. You know, there's a lot of people that want to do things and don't necessarily execute it, but you did. Um, so as I was going through the traveling libraries posts, I saw that you guys at least at the time, I don't know if you still are, we're looking for volunteers for blog writers, event staff, book reviewers, and book readers. Is all of that still the case? Yes, we're always looking for volunteers, more the merrier. (laughs) And so, okay, so like for instance, if people wanted to get, to start volunteering with you guys, what's the process to get in contact with y'all and, you know, start that? They can either uh, reach us by our media pages or by the website. And um, there's a little contact form on the website. You basically just say kind of what you want to volunteer for. For example, if you want to be a blog writer, just be like, hey, I'm interested in blog writing. And then we'll get you set up. Um, We have a resident blog writer that kind of writes one or two blogs for us a month. They're more research-based, but um, we do have high schoolers that are starting to write free um i don't know what the word is free (laughs) stories like just creative writing yeah Um, we have one of those that uh, our first one jordan we met her at the event and she was just she's amazing i don't know if you've read her story yet but it was amazing she's like hey i finished my blog it's ready to be published and then i read it just to make sure there was no errors and i was like wow "Wow, good no (laughs) i'm gonna read it though that sounds amazing it was amazing it's a short story it's very short but it's very good okay yeah (laughs) she's 13 so i was very impressed (laughs) that's amazing and i feel like the younger like teens and kids like they they just go for it oh man that's incredible so whenever okay so people people who are curious about 
volunteering as a blog writer. Are there any prompts or anything, or is it the same kind of thing, like just write a creative piece, or how, how does that work? Um, so we can, like, um, if you don't know what you want to write about, we can give you a free prompts. If you know you want to do creative writing, we can give you a few prompts, and you can choose from one. But if you already have a story in mind and you just want to write, go for it. <laughs> as long as it's appropriate. Um, we kind of have to cater to family-friendly because we are targeting school-aged kids. But we don't we don't turn away anything because I believe books are freedom and accessibility. So I want you to be able to write what you want to write. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that is so cool because you're literally just encouraging people to contribute a piece. If, mm-hmm. if they want that, that is fantastic. So then, um, okay. So a book reviewer, what yeah. would, if somebody wanted to volunteer to be a book reviewer, what would that volunteer position entail? So, uh, some of our chapter books, um, that people have donated for our young adult, we, some of them may have sensitive sensitivity warnings. Um, this could be like religion, racism, uh, mental health, and we're not going to turn away those books. We just want to make sure that it's clear that you know that these books may have a trigger warning for the person. So that's basically what you're just reading it. Reading it, you don't even have to read it. You can look it up. <laughs> they have a lot of websites now that say, hey, this book, it really talks about mental health for this reason. So just kind of a buffer. <laughs> well, I think that's a really good idea. I think that's a really, so you know what I mean? So kind of like give people a heads up on what they might be consuming. I think that's yeah. important. And I really like that you guys are putting that kind of thought into, you know, the literature that you're providing. Cause like you said, you're not going to turn anything away, but we definitely want to make sure people are understanding what they are. They could potentially read. I absolutely love that. Uh, so then if people wanted to volunteer to be a book reader, it sounds straightforward, but is it just, so, so what, what is it? Is it to just read, the, read the books and. Yeah. So right now it's virtual, um, cause of COVID, mm-hmm. um, but you, if you have a book or a children's book, whatever, if you don't, we have a few that we can snap a picture of and you can read it. Basically, it's just you're narrating the story. And then, oh, <laughs> yeah. See, so I totally you... did not interpret it that way. I'm so glad I asked. So, like, this is a dumb question, but yeah. no, so I didn't realize that. Reading... <laughs> yeah, it's literally you just reading the story. Um, if you don't like having your face recorded, it could just be your voice. But if you don't mind having your face on a video, it could be like your face. Dude. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then we put the pictures of the book on a video. And while you're just, the book is following along as you're reading. <laughs> I, wow, yeah. that is so fantastic. I'm, I kind of yes. want to do that. Yes, uh, of course. No, we well, just started that. <laughs> I mean, that is, at, because, and I feel like a lot of people, I, I know a lot of people personally who are all about audiobooks. They're like, I love to read, but I don't like to sit there with a book in my hand. Like it's something I, I mm-hmm. listen to on the way to work or whatever. What a fantastic idea. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Well, I think that's another reason why you reading about you and the, the traveling library and everything your team is doing really like pep me up and made me feel feel better today is because of all these volunteer opportunities. I'm like, y'all mm-hmm. make me want to be a part of what y'all are doing. Oh, we would love to have you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, y'all, I'm just I'm like I said, I'm just incredibly impressed with you and, and what your team is doing. Um, OK, so that's what it means to be a book reader. So if anybody's yes. listening to this, <laughs> this just excites me. I don't know why. Uh, yes. If you've ever had, when, oh, go ahead. When we go back to public interactions, it would be the same thing. You're just reading the books to a group of kids. We have a few businesses that have expressed interest in us coming to read books to their students. So it would be cool. (laughs) That is really cool. Cause, uh, again, it's another example of you adapting to the, to the current climate, right? So we're in a pandemic. We got to keep things remote. Let's turn these into an audio book, you know, kind of thing. Just tremendous. Okay. So anybody that's (laughs) listening, if you want to volunteer, um, with the traveling library. Okay. So the website is www.travelinglibrarycctx.com. Is that right? Yes. You memorized it. (laughs) Okay. I did, but every now and then I freeze and I'm like, uh, and then my guest will will correct me. So, um, and of course you can see that on um, the Instagram page as well. Uh, in addition to volunteer opportunities, I also saw that you guys have a cash app and a PayPal, uh, account. 
to take monetary donations, which I think is really important and people need to consider, you know, donating toward. And I feel like you guys need to push that more personally. <laughs> yes, we definitely do. <laughs> I have a hard time asking people for money, so it feels very weird, but literally a nonprofit is asking for money, so it's very <laughs> very weird feeling <laughs> yeah no I, I but I mean at the same time it's uh again like you said at the beginning of the interview you know money is needed to kind of keep the ball mm -hmm. rolling essentially um but I do know that some local businesses have actually donated quite a bit of books to you guys and so have you developed relationships with these businesses and to just ha kind of have them keep you at top of mind anytime they may have extra books or anything like that Yes, so our two biggest donors were uh, HEB and Half Price Books. Um, I was completely shocked. Uh, -E I was ready planning on reaching out to HEB uh, to get some donations. They had reached out to me just on their own. And I was like, oh, my God, HEB knows who I am. Wow. <laughs> so it was very like I showed my parents. I was like, look, Mom, HEB emailed me. <laughs> That's big. <laughs> yeah, it felt big. I felt famous. <laughs> but yeah, H-E-B and Half Price Books. Half Price Books, they um, they were really good to us, too. They were real quick. They're like, hey, we have three boxes of books for you. When can you come pick them up? I was like, uh, right now? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then our other big donors were the People's Market, um, 2020 Vintage specifically. She had put a little shop, I mean, a little station in her shop for people just passing by to drop off books. So that was very kind of her. She didn't have to do that. So <laughs> they are our biggest donors so far. <laughs> yeah, uh, Monica is incredible and really cares about, you know, local causes and, and uh, we are lucky to have her. So <laughs> can anyone contact you guys to actually donate books? Yeah, anybody, okay. anybody. We uh, take all sorts of books. Even if they're falling apart, we can take them. Um, we're trying to, because we live in a coastal city, we're trying to encourage the recycling principles so we can turn those fallen apart books into art. So kind of encouraging art as well, but we will take all sorts of books, even if you're like, I don't think they want this, we'll take it. <laughs> no, that that's great. It's like every book has a home, you know? Um, yes. Yeah, because I'm, I'm one of those bibliophiles. I don't want to, I don't think I've ever thrown a book away. I don't think I've ever yeah. done it or recycled you it. it. You can repurpose it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate that. I appreciate that you're like, it, do it doesn't matter really the condition. I mean, unless it, I'm sure if it's just like pages stuck together, like you can't read it. Um, yeah. But also what were you doing with that book? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but no, that's. Let that one go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so where do all the books live right now? Because you said that y'all just recently got a trailer so that we y'all will be able to haul books around. But like, so where are they currently? So right now they're in my room and in my garage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I live, I live in a tiny house, so I'm kind of overthrown by books right now. <laughs> um, literally a tiny home. <laughs> um, but, um, Pretty soon they're going to go in the trailer. Um, we just have to fix up the trailer. There's some holes. We're just worried to put the books in there and then they get damaged by, you know, weather. So that's kind of what we're fundraising for right now. We're trying to collect money so that we can fix up the trailer. Yes. So that we can put books in the trailer. <laughs> yes. This is the kind of thing I'm I'm, uh, I'm wanting to hear. So you guys uh, donate to get this trailer fixed so that way they can drive around the coastal bend and, and drop off books to school-age kids that are, are ready to read. Uh, and yeah. so you, you said it's as simple as them reaching out via email or text or some sort of digital way um, to, to do that? Mm -hmm. Yes. We don't have a stationary place, so we'll kind of just meet with you when, at your convenience and pick up the books. <laughs> so for people who want to actually utilize the traveling library's resources – they reach out to you. And so is there a catalog that they can look at to determine which titles you carry? So, yeah, that's actually what we're working on right now. Um, we're trying to catalog all the books um, by age levels and grade levels. So we have all the way from board books to um, kind of adult, <laughs> maybe one or two years after high school, because there are some advanced readers. But um, we're trying to, that's what we're doing now. We're cataloging them. 
separating them by age levels and then we're gonna put them on our website and it'll be like a catalog exactly like a catalog just and then you mark your name on it and then we'll reserve it for you and whenever we meet we'll give you the book <laughs> and uh so is it one of those things where people will have as long as they need with the book and then they'll just contact you or is there is it like a library like an actual institution where there will be penalties there will not be penalties. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna try to enforce two weeks you know the same kind of rules that a library would but we'll, we won't penalize you <laughs> um we just kind of want the the library idea um that way everybody has books um because it's I mean, we can, we're going to give away books too. Don't get me wrong, but we will reach a lot more people if we use that idea. <laughs> yes, uh, truly. Um, Cause y'all are literally just earth angels and uh, <laughs> I, I'm just, y'all are so fantastic. And so as an avid reader yourself, what do you prefer to read? What are your favorite kind of books? I don't know. A lot of people have asked me that. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I like reading all sorts of books. Um, if it interests me, I'll read it. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of like more of the classics um, just because, like, my favorite book is Fahrenheit. Oh, wait. I missed that. <laughs> What'd you Fahrenheit say? My favorite book is Fahrenheit 451. Okay. You can literally see, look, this is all Bradbury right here. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's all, like, I have so many of them. <laughs> I have like five copies of Fahrenheit. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but I know that's not everybody's favorite, but I really like it. I like to see, you know, he writ he wrote before his time and I can see a lot of similarities in Fahrenheit 451 and today. Absolutely. So that's my favorite. <laughs> okay, that that is cool. Uh you don't really hear too many people talk about the classics anymore, right? I mean, of course people will bring up like Animal Farm in 1984. What, oh, shoot. What is that George Orwell movie? I mean, Slaughterhouse Five. Oh. No, is it 1984? 54. 84. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I misquote, but you hear people referencing those books uh, when it comes to like the current or the previous political climate. But you really don't uh -huh. hear too, too many people talk about the classics. So I think that's, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, what kind of books were you into? And so what kind and also what kind of books are you excited to see get donated to the traveling library? Um, when I was little, I remember one of the first books that was read to me was Where the Wild Things Are. Oh yes, that is a good one. I remember my mom reading it to me in her classroom. So that was actually the first donation that we got for the traveling library. Like somebody just donated donated one singular book and it was where the wild things are and i was like whoa <laughs> this is weird <laughs> it comes full circle i was like this is weird this is not a coincidence but that was probably like those books like that were my favorite books of course eric carl i've always loved his yes, books yes <laughs> eric carl oh my gosh talk about just magic on uh paper or in in book form i love I eric carl he was amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I uh, love those types of books. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Like, I absolutely love hearing this. Uh, <laughs> and I know that the anybody who actually participates in um, utilizing the resources that the Traveling Library offers uh, is, is going to be just as thrilled. Because it sounds like y'all are building up quite the selection. So I, I can't <laughs> wait to see the catalog. <laughs> Uh, so I want to switch gears and talk about Simply Abigail Photography because you are an incredible photographer. Uh, <laughs> yes. And we're going to talk about two of my favorite pictures that I saw on your, uh, at Simply Abigail Photography Instagram, but have you always been into taking photos or was that something that came later in life and how did you get so good at it? <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of grew up in a weird technology era. <laughs> I was born, you know, when the flip phones were st starting to become the iPhones. <laughs> so I remember like the first picture that I remember clearly is when we went to New York and it w I had a flip phone and I took a picture of the survivor tree, which I know this is kind of weird timing because you just talked about 9-11, but <laughs> Um, I, it's the survivor tree. Have you heard of survivor tree? No, I don't know what this is. 
So in uh, Ground Zero, when the town, the twin, the town, <laughs> Twin Towers fell, um, everything, you know, was ruined, everything. But this tree was literally the only thing that survived 9-11. It, like, all the foliage, wow. all the plants, just, they were dead. They, they didn't make it. And this was the only tree. And if you ever go to New York, if you've ever been to the 9-11 Memorial, it's literally so close to where they fell. And I just remember that this was so cool, like, cause the tree, I mean, it wasn't big, like you would think it was, it was big, but it was kind of like medium size. <laughs> it was thin and it was just like, how did this tree survive? Whatever happened, you know, I wasn't there, but it was just crazy. And I just, that was the first picture I ever remember clearly taking. And then that's, I guess that's what started it. But in my bedroom, with these sunset pictures she liked taking pictures of the sunset so my room had pictures of the sunset that was my decoration so I always grew up around pictures and I just liked it <laughs> I just started <laughs> but I don't think I really got into it until I went into middle school and did yearbook and had was forced to take pictures yes so I, that's where it really started Oh, yeah, but to me, because, you know, people could take that situation and go one of two ways with it. Either they're like, I'm just taking pictures to take pictures, like not really putting much thought into it, not trying to optimize this experience. Or I can turn this into a creative opportunity and get something really cool out of it. And I think that's probably what you did, because you definitely have an affinity for, for photography. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So when did you decide, you know what, I think I want to actually turn this into a business? Uh, I turned it into a business when I was 16 uh, because I was – Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. On my 16th birthday, my gift was a, like a professional camera. That was my birthday gift. I had no idea. I had been wanting a Polaroid camera, um, the kind of – I don't even know what they're called anymore, <laughs> but it was kind of the modern Polaroid. The bright and co I had colored ones? Yes. Those are cool. It was it was the flat one and it could fit in your pocket, take it everywhere. I don't know what it was called, but I kept one. I wanted it. I just liked it. And then um, they got me a digital camera. And at the time I was like, I wanted a Polaroid dad. <laughs> but um, I really liked it. I liked the camera. And, you know, it was very beginner. It was like the cheapest camera you could buy. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> what kind of camera was it? It wasn't, it was like, um, it was a Nikon. I can't remember what model it was, a D something. I don't know, but it was like, you have your standard cameras and then this was the next one up. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like professional, but beginner. <laughs> it was a point and shoot. It was very simple. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, still like a perfect starter camera for somebody maybe considering going into photography. Yeah, so that's when I started. And then I just started taking graduation pictures, anything and everything. I would take it everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's when I started. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, so on that page, you can see that you do wildlife photography, you do sports, you do portraits, you do weddings. Um, your wildlife photography is out of this world. Uh, and birds, wild birds. Oh, I guess that's only kind of bird. <laughs> birds are, uh, are um, a big subject for you, like a common subject. And you capture them in the most beautiful detail, doing things I don't see birds do. Uh, there was one instance also where you caught like a close-up of two dragonflies, um, I mean, just amazing. And so to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, you probably have to spend a lot of time out and about to get shots like that, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> All of the pictures I've taken have been purely like coincidence. I literally look and it's there. <laughs> I've been very fortunate. I don't like staying outside very long. <laughs> it's hot. Yes, it is. So much truth to that. Yes, traditionally you would have to stay there. And I joke with my dad. I'm like, Dad, who's the who's the predator here? Me or the the bird? <laughs> you're right. You're just documenting the predator. Because <laughs> it feels it's like you're stalking them. I'm like, do they know I'm here? 
but yeah i really like wildlife as well <laughs> i mean you can tell because the way it translates into that photograph i mean to me that it, those are magazine worthy they are very good yes like yeah I, I again just like incredibly impressed with you and i love it even more that you're like it just kind of happens like i just go out there and there's this amazing shot but i also think you have an eye for it and so do you feel like you've always been able to capture moments like that like you can just recognize like okay this is photo worthy i'm, I'm gonna take a picture i don't think that I look at a picture when I want to take a picture. I don't think I look at it that way. I take it because I like it. Um, I like the way it looks or I just like the animal. So I take a picture and it just happens that other people like it too. <laughs> so I'm not really doing it for anybody else. I feel like photography should come from you because um, that's how it translates. People, if they know you like it, other people will like it. And so that's how I kind of take it. I don't really edit them a lot. I try to keep it as natural as possible as it would if you were there. Um, the only thing that I would do is if it was too dark, I would probably lighten it, but I try not to edit it too much because I feel like nature in itself is beautiful. <laughs> I love that. Uh, not quite on this, on the same level as what you're talking about, but that's how I treat my podcast. That's why there's like hardly any edits at all. Like pretty much none. It's, it's perfect and it's imperfectness. Uh, so there are two photos of yours. Okay. There's a lot of photos of yours that I'm blown away by, but there were two in particular that really stuck out to me. One is when you visited the Rockport cemetery and you took a picture, but there's blue bonnets in the foreground and mm -hmm. it is just a killer picture. And so <laughs> what was the inspiration behind going to a cemetery? Cause there's so much going on there. So there's a cemetery, which is a place of rest, but then there's all this beautiful springtime growth with the blue bonnets. And so what was the idea behind like your shooting that shot? So that picture was actually taken on my iPhone. Wow. <laughs> because I didn't know, um, I was with my parents at the time. My grandparents live in Taft and we were on the way and um, we had heard about the Rockport Cemetery, and we kind of just wanted to see if they were the blue bonnets were grown yet. So we just drove by, and then it there were so many blue bonnets we had to stop and take pictures. Um, the Rockport Cemetery every spring, they the blue bonnets and Texas wildflowers sprout. Um, I don't know the story of it, but supposedly one of the family members of somebody that's buried there has spread seeds every year for the cemetery so that it can grow, kind of like you know, a beautiful setting and an ugly yeah. <laughs> kind of feeling. So every year we just kind of go by. I actually took my graduation photos there. <laughs> really? I want to see those. <laughs> it's just pretty. You have to see it in spring. It's beautiful. There's so many of them. Yeah, I do want to go there. People will be like, you know, what is this girl doing here? She has no business being in the cemetery, but I have to see oh, it. No, there's a lot of people that just drive by and take pictures. I think now they're starting to plant it because it's around that time you're supposed to plant those flowers. But mm -hmm. in like around April, they start sprouting. It's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I have to check it out. I'm a fan of Rockport. <laughs> uh, the big tree is out there and uh, just a couple other little magical little spots that I like. I just dig Rockport a lot. And to me, that photo, like I want a print of that. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes. So there's another photo that you did. And to me, whenever you're looking at art, because that's how, what I consider your photographs to be. When, when you're <laughs> looking at art, if it catches, captures your attention and you really study it and you're really seeing like every aspect of it and just making these connections left and right, it's, you, you did, you did it. <laughs> and the shot is of the stop sign with bullet holes in it. <laughs> yes. Where was that? Um, the middle of nowhere, Texas. <laughs> uh, I travel a lot. Um, so going off on a tangent. I I'm love tangents. <laughs> I want Simply Abigail to be a brand. Um, so I started in the works. I'm doing Simply Abigail's Texas Travels. Um, <laughs> Heck yes. it's been a bucket list of mine. I want to go to every state park in Texas. 
And I feel like other people want to do that too. Mm -hmm. Um, And while we're traveling, we see a lot of cool things that I feel like if you don't know about it, you won't go. Yes. (laughs) So that was just happened to be on a random street that we got, we got stuck on, (laughs) we turned wrong and I just saw it and I was like, you know what? This is a cool picture. I thought it was funny. Ironically, I took the picture because my uncle's name is Mark and the street name was Mark Road. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, look at the sign, Uncle Mark. It's funny. And anyway, so that's why I took it. But yeah, it was in the middle of nowhere, Texas. I can't even tell you. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is just a good picture because I mean, I don't know, like I interpret it as you know, people literally like rebelling against the idea of stopping. So let me just like blow <laughs> bullets into this stop sign. Like I just something about it. Like it really captured my attention. I think just the shot itself and the subject matter was just perfect. And <laughs> it's cool. It's shots like that, that I don't really see every day. And so I appreciate it all that much more. Also, <laughs> I think it's really cool that you said that you really like to travel and that your nonprofit is a traveling library. Like, <laughs> I know. Right? I didn't even put that together. <laughs> yes. I think, I think that that's really cool. And so when do you think that you're going to be kicking off the simply Abigail, Texas adventures, Texas travels, Texas travels. I'm hoping by the end of the year um, right now I'm kind of working on like a bullet journal kind of planner thing. It has all the information to the state parks and like the maps and stuff. So kind of whenever I finish that, I'll officially launch it kind of together thing. But um, yeah, that's in the works. <laughs> well, I think that's really neat because you just keep having ideas and bringing them to life. And uh, that is absolutely inspiring. And so whenever you started taking photos and people were like, Hey, I want you to come shoot my wedding. What were your thoughts? Cause I feel like shooting a wedding is a really big undertaking. It, it really is. And you can't redo that. No, <laughs> You can redo a family session, but you can't redo a wedding. Yes. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of my, the first wedding that I did was my mom's cousin <laughs> And it was a renewal of vows thing. And she just goes, hey, I need a photographer. Are you available this date? And so I went and she was kind of the first person that took a chance on me. <laughs> so I, that was my first wedding was a renewal of vows. <laughs> and then ever since then, more people started coming. I do like more of the small, intimate weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, <laughs> all the weddings I've done have been elopements or Oh, small- wow. Yeah, I have. And recently, last year, the pandemic, I had a girl, she goes, hey, we postponed our wedding to already too too much. We're just going to go in Corpus. Are you available this date? And how much do you charge? I was like, yeah, I'm available. And I just went and it was beautiful. (laughs) They did it right there in Port Aransas. They had rented a house and they had a dock that led to the water. It was beautiful. They were a very outdoorsy family. So they one of the pictures that I took was them canoeing into the sunset. Oh, it was so wow. pretty. Yeah. It was beautiful. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, you are literally a part of their special day, you know, and, and you're, and you're the one documenting it. So a very, very important task that I have no doubt. I mean, you executed flawlessly. Uh, I mean, it has to feel pretty good for people to be like, Hey, I, I want you to be that person. Right. Yeah, it really does. It's like, sometimes you don't feel confident in yourself, especially like with my pictures, when you don't get enough likes. Oh, God. (laughs) It's like, man, was this picture really good? I thought it was good, Mm -hmm. but apparently it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody does that, hey, can you take pictures of my wedding? And especially as something as important as a wedding, it really means a lot. It's like, you can't redo that. Yes. No, you're so right. Yeah, you better get it right. Uh, so something that I've noticed with a lot of photographers is that they don't often have pictures taken of themselves. Do you fall into that category? Are you rarely in pictures? I am rarely in pictures, like professional pictures. Um, I'll take pictures with my family, but, and when we travel, but I really don't take any, especially for my photography account. I more do it as, you know, my private personal account. (laughs) 
but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to have to, especially if I'm starting the Texas travels. <laughs> yes. Cause I mean, essentially that's going to be like a blog, right? Yes, okay. it really is. But yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Are you kidding me? I mean, so with a photography business, uh, a really amazing nonprofit and a future blog, I mean, you are just going to have so many amazing things going for you. Like I'm <laughs> stoked. Uh, and I just think that you're absolutely incredible. And so for people who are on the fence about wanting to start a nonprofit or even starting a business, like what advice would you give them, especially if they're starting from square one? Um, well, with the nonprofit, I feel like if you just research until you feel confident, then you'll be fine. Um, obviously, it's not perfect. <laughs> I'm still learning as I'm going. I've made a few mistakes. Um, we ran into a few problems already, but we've taken it at the point that it's come across and fixed it. And so I feel like especially a nonprofit, you're going to have to deal with those kind of things. Um, it's not perfect. Nonprofit's never perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but you kind of just have to go as you go. And that's really hard for me. I like everything to be perfect. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I'm like, just do it guys. <laughs> They're like, no, we can't. <laughs> but as a business, I feel like as an entrepreneur, you're, you already know you're going to take on the risk. So yes. if it's something you want to do, you just kind of have to accept the risk and just know that once you hit something, it's not, over you can change your pan hat pan <laughs> I can't talk anymore <laughs> I know you're I like uh, is this interview over <laughs> I can change your path and kind of work around it so I just as long as you know the risks involved you'll be fine <laughs> excellent advice and very important uh for people to digest whenever they they make that move um, Abigail, I think you are incredible. I want to thank you so much for joining me this evening. I know you're incre a super busy woman. For anybody listening, follow the Traveling Library CCTX at, on Instagram at Traveling Library CCTX. Also follow at Simply Abigail Photography and support that those photos because wow, are they incredible. Um, you can also <laughs> visit the Traveling Library website. You can, if you're interested in being involved, you can uh, talk to Abigail and her team about potentially volunteering for one of the positions. Uh, you can donate books, you can donate money via Cash App or PayPal. Uh, so support these guys because they're doing really incredible things for the community. And I'm just so, so grateful that y'all are here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>